Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Up podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please give a good rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to, and go give my Instagram and Facebook pages a follow at Western Hunting Hub. Also, go give my business a follow at Black Hills and Antlers and Facebook or get 10% off your dog chews using coupon code podcast. And then go check out the Outdoor Call Radio app. My old episodes are playing on Thursdays, uh, but lots of other outdoor content worth checking out. Other deer gear discounts for Ridge Patrol, use coupon code CLINT10, and for Wilderness Athlete, use coupon code HUNTINGHUB. But anyway, more importantly, and what you're here to listen to is in this episode and next episode, I've got a few hunting stories. Reached out, just wanted to chat with some folks just to see uh what kind of stories they had and those those folks are hard to find because not everybody's got instagram obviously and uh i want to hear some good stories so if you got a good one please get a hold of me and it's just like having a conversation so um really wanted to focus on some elk and and bear and things we can be hunting here within a month so in this episode i have uh, a great one with Trevor from Compass Grid Labradors. So enjoy. All right, Trevor, thanks for jumping on my podcast with me and put a little post out there to see who had some hunting stories. I haven't been uh, super great with my content lately, and 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 uh, a good way to do that would just be uh some hunting stories we're getting down to i don't know about you up in canada but we are down to a month away and three days uh for uh elk seasons down here in in the state i'm going to be hunting in and uh so it's a little late for a lot of preparation so now it's just more let's get hyped and excited and and uh, uh hunting seasons 
right around the corner. So it's it's here. But thanks for joining me. And if you wouldn't mind, just just have uh, introduce yourself. Just tell us who you are and and a little bit about what you do. Sure, I'm I'm Trev Trefo. I'm the owner of Compass Grid Labradors in Alberta, Canada, and we breed, train, and hunt labs uh, most of the year. Actually, we're we're uh, hunters first, and then obviously the labs come in to help with the conservation part of it all, finding lost birds and stuff that you know humans aren't going to be able to find on their own. So that's uh, that's what I do. Yeah, are you time. are you um and I was looking at your website there, a lot of um I mean I guess you got a chocolate in there, but but some black labs and looks like a lot of their their focus is some some upland or what's uh what are a lot of your dogs going into doing or is there just a mix of upland it, and waterfowl? It's, it's a mix. I mean we do a lot of upland around here. Um I have my one dog LT, she's She's just an animal. She she does upland and waterfowl, um, and and she's uh, she's pretty cool. She's a, a bit of a hunting guide. So when guys are up here hunting and they don't have dogs, they'll hire her to come out and find birds for them. And and it's pretty pretty cool system that we have here. So heck yeah! But the yeah. upland stuff is yeah, it's it's big. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And uh, uh, labs. Big labs, little labs, medium sized yeah. labs. Yeah, so I breed English labs. They're they're not as as tall as like the American style, and and not as leggy. They got heavier bone, a little more weight on them, and, and it gets pretty cold here. So it's nice that they have that extra sure. weight to cover their organs for this cold water and stuff too, right? Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm always kind of curious about because I've I've never had labs that just have have had goldens and got a setter now, um, but I, I've it's always been on my top three sp- uh, breeds to get as a is a lab and and I just don't really know a lot about them and um I'm, I'm real careful about it because there's a lot of uh, not so great bloodlines for black labs down here anyway and and end up with a lot of issues so um but curious about i got buddies that like the really small labs um got ones that like the bigger ones uh i got a smaller setter now so that's a little bit after going to a smaller dog that's 40 pounds instead of a 80 pound golden i'm really liking that smaller dog (laughs) or yeah not an 80 pound dog anyway it's a lot to even just hauling around in the truck with the family. It's like, oh my gosh, Remy, you're just in the way. You're huge. You're <laughs> got a lot of hair. You're clunky. Uh, yeah, so yeah. So I'm always kind of curious what people run for for their dogs and and why size wise. Yeah, our size is 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 a little bit medium. Like LT LT, and when she's not hunting, she's about. 60 pounds and when she is hunting it's you know she's about 45 50 pounds she's not very oh yeah not very big and and uh and i like that too it leaves a little bit more room for stuff and and they're a little more compact and yeah it's nice it's nice to see them little dogs just working through it so are you are you getting uh sires locally in canada are you are you getting ones from from your european bloodlines or what do you I know that's kind of a popular thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I keep a pretty tight circle. Like I don't, I don't fan out too far. Um, 
we we use another breeder for for some sires they're in saskatchewan and then we have we have ours as well and it's just it's a small small circle and and we don't get into the the field trial stuff either our dogs are are labs that are designed to be labs so yeah they will hunt you know they can hunt all year long and when you're done they're done they're off which is great um or they can go to a uh, you know, a children's hospital and hang out with some kids, you know, after they've been hunting all morning. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're sure. not, they're not sitting there vibrating all day and you know, they're, they're labs. They're, they're do what labs do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to get another dog out of my kennel because, uh, he, he breeds these, these Llewellyn setters and now adding some English in it because the bloodlines are going away for for Llewellyn's I mean it's just a closed circle there's the inbred percentage is going to just keep rising and rising on him and he uh he only allows like serious bird hunters to have his dogs his dogs are all 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 of them are traveling from state to state chasing the weather and the and the pheasants and quail and all and grouse and and I'm just not that much of a bird hunter <laughs> i like to go here and there and and i and it just is a goofy roundabout way how i got this dog through somebody not the breeder which he was not happy about finding out about but i called him did an episode with him and learned a lot about his breeding system and it's like holy smokes you are really providing bird dogs to only people who are putting them to the field and going and going and going but man my dog is besides a bird dog she's a she's a family member and upstairs right now and she's cuddles with us and she's part of the family. So we want to, I don't know if I'll get another one from him just because of that, but man, I've been pretty pleased with the, with that setter. I've never had that kind of dog before, but I think with like a lab and a pointer like that would, would be such a great mix. Yeah. Cause they don't, she doesn't, she is not the, she's not a retriever like a lab. I mean, she is a, hunt like crazy cover ground fast super fast and and really good at that but when it comes to recovery on stuff she's not super great at it yet but that's probably probably on me yeah that that would just be a little more a little more time yeah out in the field doing it but yeah because they're a great dog too yeah yeah and she doesn't give a crap about antlers i tried that she doesn't care (laughs) she she likes uh, chewing on them but she doesn't want to pick them up or nothing so that was, that's fine. That's fine. She's, she's just bird crazy, but yeah. it looks like, yeah, it looks like you got some awesome looking dogs. I, I was looking just, uh, your pictures, uh, Tika, LT and storm there. They're pretty looking dogs. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. They're, they're great. They're, they're a joy to have around for sure. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's coming up this fall for you and, and, uh, hunting since you are not a, um, I didn't bring you on to talk about breeding dogs. I brought you on to talk about uh, some hunting stories. So what do you got going on this fall? Yeah, this fall, well, we're getting ready. Uh, September 1st is when I'm I'm leaving. I'm going to head up northern Alberta, as I usually do. Um, and I got my – I'll have my elk, my elk, my bull moose, and two bear tags this year. And okay. and I'll be, be heading up. I, I'll be by myself again this year. I hunt solo, so – it's pretty good hunting by yourself and it's hard to find guys with the same 
hunting addiction that I have to go for 30 days straight. So, yeah, or the time to be able to do that. That's or, or, or yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That, or the time. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty grateful to have that time to, to be able to do that too. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I have the same, same issues. Like I hear, um, buddies doing buddies as in uh, lots of people I talk about hunting with, but we don't really do much hunting or any hunting together. Uh, you hear about them going to archery shoots together and doing all this. It's like, well, I don't really have me and my dad go and we do these shoots together. And, and that's my friend circle right now. <laughs> really my, my hunting circle is me and my dad. We, we, we go out and, and do our hunting. But other than that, my hunts are basically planned by myself. And, and I don't, I don't know how I would do in a big group or, or uh, a big group as in like four people. Uh, well, people no, you're, yeah. Them. And it's, and it's different, right? Yeah. Like if you, if you're, if you're with a group of guys and you shoot a, a bull, there's excitement, you're, you're high five and getting pat on the back. Everyone's taking pictures when you're, when you're alone, after you release that arrow and you, and you shoot that animal and you see it go down, it's quiet. Yeah. And there's a lot of different thoughts going through your mind. You're excited, but you're more in tune of what just happened. Yeah. You know, yeah. there, there totally is, relate. there's excitement. Yeah. There's a bit of sadness there. You know, you, you say your thanks in your own way and, and you get to work. There's no, you know, there's no cheering going on. Yeah. You know, it's, you're really connected that way. And I, I like that part of it as well. Yeah. And sometimes I just look around like, did anybody just see that? <laughs> yeah. And it's, I know. You have a couple of, we're going to get into a bear story here pretty soon, but I had a kind of crazy quick bear story. I'm not going to tell it now. That's for another day, but uh, it's just crazy thing happened. And it's like, nobody there was there to see it, which is okay. It's like, that's my memory and I can tell the story yeah. and it's fine. But sometimes I just wish somebody had seen that. Uh, but most of the time I still like making my own decisions as we hunt or, uh, I don't have to worry about, are their legs going to be able to keep up or am I going to be able to keep up or, you know, just that kind of worry about decision-making. Um, yeah. I, I got a level of empathy that kind of hurts me in hunting with a group where I'm always concerned about the other person and concerned that they're having a good time, concerned that they're warm or cold, even though they are tougher than I am <laughs> there. Uh, are, are they, did I bring them to the right spot? Should we gone that? I get all that worry that is just not worth it. And if you, you feel like you're letting them down yeah. by saying, I know a great spot and then you don't see nothing. And yeah, you feel yeah. like you let them down or something. Yeah. Yeah. But with my dad, it's totally different. It's like my dad is at a level of, we just are going to go have a good time. And I know where he's at. Uh, mindset is so, I'm comfortable. That's it's it's easy. Uh we can make decisions a lot better than someone I've only known for a few years. Uh we can talk about it and yeah, it's it's a little different that way, but anyway, um so you're uh going up north to do some variety of species hunting and uh you said you had a bear story. What was that last year? When was this? Yeah, that was last year. Last so September was, sounded like you well, had a couple of between a bear and an elk you had some excitement let's dive into it well there there's there's a lot of bears up in northern alberta i don't know if you've ever been up that way but there's uh -uh. bears so it, 
you know, you're out scouting and I don't, I don't hunt over bait. So I, I do all my scouting, you know, starting around August 25th and I roll up into September and you get a good feel of what's where. And, and so I knew there was some big, big bears in this one area. And I, I start cruising in there with my bow and, you know, you're, you're 40 minutes into the bush and, and I, it was windy that day and I seen a bear, there was a big bear kind of maybe three or 400 yards away. And he was following where I went, like he was tracking my steps, which was kind of crazy. And the wind was blowing towards him. So he knew I was there. He could smell me, but he just kept coming. And I ended up knocking an arrow and I was kind of cautious about him. And, and I get out into this little open, open area on the bush line and I turn around and that bear's right behind me and he just kept coming. So it was one of those, you know, if I had a gun, I would have hip shot him because <laughs> it oh, was geez. that kind of scenario because he kept coming up to me and he kind of turned with his ass to me sideways a bit. And I shot an arrow at him and I wasn't quite sure where I hit, but I had to shoot this bear. Like I didn't have a choice. I had to shoot him. And he spun around and went into the bush and I walked out the other way. And, and it was one of those, it was a shaky situation. So I ended up waiting about two hours and I had phoned a friend of mine and, and said, I was what happened. And I'm going to go in and find this bear in a couple hours. And so I waited about two hours and I, I went into where he went into the bush and there's a really wide blood trail there. And, now, I was making some noise, like I was a hiker. I'm yelling, hey, bear, hey, bear. You know, like uh-huh. it's, you, you don't know if that's a wounded bear in there or not, or if he's dead. So I'm following this blood trail, and it's it's he went over some pretty rough stuff, and it looked like he was trying to find a place to hide. And about maybe 50 yards from where I shot him, all of a sudden, right beside me, I hear the bush rustle up in this bear shoots up this big tree right beside me and so we're talking I, obviously because he's up going up a tree that's black bear that's right? a black bear right so and I, yeah, I don't know what black. grizzly opportunities you guys have we have yeah, watch we don't have any which oh, okay. is kind of unfortunate because nothing hunts them here and we got a lot of them too oh yeah. so any anyway the bear shoots up this tree and so i i I shoot him again in the tree. And as soon as I shoot him, I turn right to my left. There's another big bear coming right at me. And the bear in the tree dies. And when he fell out of the tree and hit the ground is when it scared the other bear away. Hmm. And that other bear was coming up right, right to my left. Like he was right there. So, oh, that's, he, he climbed that tree and then he expired. Like he had enough enough life left in him to get up the tree and i shot him again in the tree oh and then yeah and then he ended up dying up in the tree but when he fell is when it scared that other bear away that was coming out at me oh my gosh (laughs) it was not cool right and then you know that last year i don't know if you heard but i mean there was a lot of black bear attacks for some reason huh um right up where we were there was a woman attacked what happened is a black bear right close to where i was uh, she got attacked by a black bear, and I believe she lived, but the bear ripped her open and, and tore part of her arm off and then was guarding her, wouldn't let anybody near her. 
Yeah, that blows my mind. It just you hear, and I don't know if that's a northern black bear trait or I mean, yeah, there's there was one that that killed uh, a lady in Colorado because she was feeding it and she had like this cage wrapped around her below her deck and she would and the bear reached in and grabbed her and killed her. But that's that's a different situation. I we don't get a ton of those those stories down this way but i've i never know what to ask like i yeah. ask, or tell people when they they're concerned about bears i've just been around enough of them that they don't bother me too terrible much no. and it's probably not a i don't have a healthy fear necessarily no no and i don't either i always see a black bear i know well and i always i always thought you know you see a black bear it's it's gonna get a wind of you or see it and it's gonna be gone yeah and they always are but last year was kind of funny. They weren't like that. And and these two bears were not like that. They so did what, not care at all. What was the distance from the one coming out of the bush bushes towards you? I bet you he was maybe 20 yards before he stopped and turned around. And it was just at that moment of the, of the bear falling out of the tree. That's when he. He wasn't scared of me. He was scared when the bear fell out of the tree. And he clearly saw you and was, he coming. was looking at, we were looking at each other <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was. And I mean, I, and I couldn't even get another arrow in. What am I going to do? I'm not, yeah. you, know, you can't just start pulling arrows out and flinging them. Right. Like, yeah, it was, it was not, not cool. So what happened from there is then I walked back out and I waited and I was, I was waiting. I'm like, that was, I gotta go back and get this bear. Mm-hmm. So what I, I just waited a while. I went back to my truck and I carry a, a, a jet sled with me and I grabbed it and I waited a bit and, and I went back in, I made a ton of noise and I ended up having to roll this bear onto this jet sled. And, and at that point, a friend of mine had finally come up to give me a hand because I'm like, you know, you need to come up here and, and watch my back right while I'm dragging this bear out. So is, is there, uh, was that bear, you got a boar sow? That's a boar. That was a big boar. Yeah. Big boar. How big was he? I don't know if you guys. He, yeah. Yeah. He, he was, uh, that's a six foot nine bear. Oh, wow. Which, which is a that's big a bear. One. I got, I got, yeah, I got some videos and pictures of him on my Instagram too. He was yeah, and thick, like he's super thick. We're waiting to get him back from there taxidermy still but what do you think the other bear was i i don't know like i was watching bears so i scouted so long last year that i knew what kind of bears were where and i i was was, i don't know if it was the bigger one or the smaller one that i was looking at because they had the same pretty much the same marking and i don't know i would say it's pretty close either to the same size or it could have been a little bigger Oh, the one on the Big. ground was a little bigger. Could have been, yeah. Oh shoot. <laughs> yeah, they're they're big. Yeah. There's there's about nine big bears up there that I was watching for weeks. Cause I'm just trying to think of minus you in this situation. You there is a there's two bears that I'm sure you would have thought they they knew each other were around. It's like whether they had smelled each other and he just 
the one that scared away was just not ready for this giant thing falling out of a tree and crashing. So that's what he, why he took off. But do you think what I was thinking is, well, I was thinking that he probably smelt the blood from that other bear. Oh, and was coming to investigate. Maybe Hmm. what was the distance from the point of impact to where the tree was? Uh, from the, where, where I was to the bear from when you shot, when he, where he was standing when you shot him first to the tree. So the first, first shot, sorry. Oh, the first shot was out. Yeah. It kind of wasn't in the bush. So I, I, when I first shot that bear, yeah, he was, well, I don't know. I, I, when we looked at it after, I would say nine yards, he oh. could have been 12. Oh, that's he was right there. No, he was oh. right there. That's why I shot him the way I did. I didn't have a choice. Oh, yeah. He was okay. right there. Yeah, like he was right there. Okay. So then, no, yeah, those bears had to have known each other or around. Um, I wonder. And then that, who knows? Huh. Who knows? <laughs> I was kind of curious to know what, uh, maybe they'd have some, had some scuffles before or something or, or just, uh, yeah, no, that's... you know what? Well, no, because I was watching, like I was watching bears in that area. They they knew that they were there. Mm-hmm. Like they were all around there. They didn't have any any issues with each other or anything, right? Yeah. They were just they were just cruising around when I was watching them. Like I watched them for a few weeks. Yeah. Huh. I I got bear ribs on in uh in a crock pot right now. <laughs> I, oh, nice. I haven't ever had bear ribs i've done that plenty with deer and elk just no no bear ribs we'll see how it turns out because they're a lot fattier they could yeah be, that'd be good it, yeah well yeah we'll we'll find out i love cooking with with the uh, the bear fat it does it's pretty good stuff but um well the, gonna... these bears where we are quick thing these bears so you when you get up to where i go you have you got a river there and on both sides of the river is, is farming land too. So these bears are grain fed most of the year. Right. Oh, sure. That meat is unreal. So it's pretty, like I, uh, well, it's pretty flat and then you get up into the hills and stuff and then you get, you know, off to the, you know, there's a river bank there that goes through the Pooskoopy river. And I mean that those banks are huge. There's lots of elk in there too. Yeah. So what are they growing? What, what's the main main crop up there that those bears are eating on last year it was grain this year what i understand is they're growing peas so i don't know i don't know if they'll be in there or not but i don't but know a bear bear? Want peas <laughs> no <laughs> yeah yeah hmm. yeah i shot a minnesota bear last year that it was just kind of weird Hunt, i've never hunted bears in near agricultural fields yeah that's all corn and soybean uh, but just a little, little different than what I'm, what I'm used to. They're just off of the, in the corn stalks and munching on, on corn and, and then they go into the trees and that's where you, where you bait them in there, but just a totally different kind of hunting that I'm used to with the, the mountain bears that is more high desert and they're, they're eating pinion, juniper bugs dead things whatever and they still taste great so i can't imagine yeah. a grain fed bear grain fed, pretty... it's better than any deer I yeah. can, it is better than any deer yeah, yeah. i mean you got to worry you got to cook it better but sure. the taste is so much better yeah what's your 
favorite thing to do with a bear? As far as food? Yeah, cooking. What's, uh, what's the thing I you like, look forward to the most? I look forward to the the pepperoni. I like the pepperoni and burgers. I like making bear burgers. Okay. Yeah. I, I need to grind a little bit more into just regular burger next time. I, I just got stuck on a bear sausage and it's heavily seasoned and it's just an awesome breakfast sausage that a buddy lined me up on that I, I really, really like. So it's been always been my, my breakfast or throw it on a uh, homemade pizza or something like that. It's just awesome. 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 Yeah. So yeah. Tr- trying to branch out into some other things with, with it. And, um, my bear tag this year in Colorado is just going to be a uh, opportunistic thing. We're going to focus on some elk a little bit more, but, uh, speaking of, so same year, uh, yeah. got into some elk. Got into so, some elk. Yeah. Tell so us a little bit about that. Uh, so last, it was, it was September, I think 14th when I shot, I got the herd bull last year and, and I, I actually stumbled into this one and I was chasing a moose and my, I spotted this, this bull and, and I was moving in on him. He was probably three or 400 yards out and, and I'm sneaking up on him. It took a, quite a while to sneak in and, and it was thick bush kind of where, where I was going through and, and I got within 60 yards and I'm comfortable shooting a moose at 60 yards. And sure. just as I come out, like of the around this tree to kind of line up to shoot him, he was gone. I'm like, where did he go? Because I lost sight of him for, just for a second. And I waited and waited and I was looking around. And then finally I decided I'm going to walk up kind of where, where he went in. And, you know, usually they'll just be standing there. And he was gone. So I'm like, Oh shit. Turn around thinking about what I'm going to do next. And then I hear the bugling start. And on the other side of the tree line, there's a huge meadow there. And I locked out because I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to head into where they are. And there's a little trail that you come through and it opens up into the meadow. And as soon as I come out through that trail, that bull was standing at probably 15 yards staring at me. And I, one arrow, he was down right away. Oh, you're, were you drawn ready for him? Well, I was knocked, right? Because I was looking for, I could hear them right on the other side of the trees. And yeah, as soon as I came out, but he didn't even care. He was looking at me. And, and at 15 he, yards, he, you drew. I drew. And what he did is he, he did a little circle, like maybe in within a 10-yard circle. And he just stopped and looked at me again. Oh, dang. I let my arrow fly. Done. He just had no idea what you were. He had no idea. There was cows all around him. He was just, it, I don't, <laughs> he was, he was pretty dumbfounded, I think. So, and those are, those got are all Rocky Mountain elk yeah. up there. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know the line of the, um, of Roosevelt. If, no, if they just no, are all, those. those are all, I think, Western. Western Washington, I suppose. There's a giant. I'm looking at maps when I'm talking to people about this stuff because 
uh it's all country i've never been to so um yeah i suppose there's a big big uh barrier there a geographic barrier to keep the roosevelt's where the roosevelt's are yeah yeah you bet and so on so um well dang that's a a good year nice elk i'm assuming hurt you said her bull but how big how, how big was he I don't know. He, he's a big six by six. I never measured him up. Yeah. I don't, I don't really do that anymore, but yeah, he's a, he's a big six by six and just like perfect geometry. Like both sides are identical. It's awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, 15 yards. Uh, yeah. Were you able to, even though that's a chip shot any day, was it just, did it feel good or was it just, I feel like those really close shots you're like, there's no way I can miss. And I punched the trigger a little bit easier on something like that. Feel good. What? It, tell me about the shot. It was. It was. I felt rushed. Mm-hmm. I think. Like when I think about it now, I felt. I felt rushed, and I was sweating bad from chasing this moose around. And it was. I mean, it. The sun just came up. You could still see your breath. It was. It was a nice morning and calm, and. I I think I rushed the shot. It was a perfect shot. I just I felt like yeah maybe I rushed it a bit and yeah, but it, it felt good. And I've been doing this a long time as well. So the it's always exciting. It's always a thrill. You're always you know there's everything still building up, but I think you're a little more your nerves are a little more calm. You're not shaky. You're not you know you're not going through some of these emotions that you did earlier on, right? Yeah the black phases (laughs) yeah i was i I rushed the shot but i was confident at the same time yeah yeah you know and i shoot all year right like we shoot i shoot all year at all different ranges i practice at closer range i press practice at long range right yeah yeah what's your what's your uh archery setup uh i've been running the same one for the last couple years i got a hoyt helix and then i run i run a fast eddy on it single pin and did, nice that's, a, that's a good question and i've i've always wanted to chat people with people more about this with their single pins um when you because you're you're either constantly dialing or you just know your your gaps on that uh what uh what was your process of like from when you knew there was a bull there and setting your dial to flinging that arrow what was the process of of dealing with like i have one pin it's a single pin um and setting that range yeah so what the way i i do and i still i've always done it this way is i knew where the bull moose was and i had it set up for about 55 yards and then as i started to direct towards the elk and i i know that area i know where the trail is i always knock it back to 20 before I know what I'm getting into. Okay. So as I was walking, I, I dialed it back down to 20. Sure. And, and I mean, when, you know, a lot of guys like using, you know, four or five pins and they can kind of judge where they're shooting and stuff. And, you know, if I got to range a bull and adjust my sight and it runs away, I'm okay with that. Sure. Right. Like I, I don't need the panic shot of, you know, well, I wish I had five pins and I could have made the shot. And I'm not, I don't fuss with that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's take your time, dial it in. 
I still ranged that bull, even though he was right there. I still ranged him at 15 yards. Yeah. And I just, and I just, when I, when I lined up my pin, I just dropped it, you know, four inches lower than I normally would. Yeah. Huh. You know? Yeah. That's a, there's a lot of thinking I can imagine being there just to go back to and knowing, referring back to your practice and knowing, well, I'm set at 20 right now. What's that do with here? Or say he jumped out to, to 30 or you were set at 30 and he ran into 15 knowing what yeah. your bow is or what your sight's doing at that point. What's your arrow setup? If you're for setting up for moose, I would imagine that's not a light arrow at all. Uh, yeah, I'm running a, uh, um, last year I was running a 450, I think. Okay. But I, I use, um, I use the gold tip pierce. I like that arrow. And I switched last year to mechanical as well. Okay. And they absolutely make a mess. Which I actually really like. They're, I was using the Rage. Tripan? Yep. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yep. That's, that's what I think would be the best option what I've seen for like durability for a mechanical. Um, that's what I shoot as well is the rage tripan. Just it's got, it's way thicker of a blade. And so when you have a um, tougher animal like that, I've still, I'm on the fence of, I don't know if I'll use it for elk yet, but it's cool to hear uh, someone else using that for elk. Uh, it definitely works and definitely creates a mess. Yeah, sure. I use um, it for bears, right? Oh, sure. That's my that's my choice for bears is mechanical, and and I just keep it all the same straight through because I'm I'm you know I'm only running five arrows when I go up. Yeah, and and I I just keep them all the same, and I I mean I shot my my moose as well with the same arrow setup. Yeah, I I got a picture of it punching through the moose actually when I skinned the moose out. You can see that arrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I I used uh, that rage on on my bear last year, and it was I, I think for all that hair and the clumping or that or the clotting almost of that their hair, I think just making that big old giant wound channel is kind of kind of important and help helpful for that. But yeah, because they a, they'll bleed into their fat, right? Yeah, and and the, you know those fat fall bears, they're. If you don't, if you haven't ripped them open, it's sometimes you might not see a blood trail at all, even though it's a fatal shot. Hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. The and I'm not a just a mechanical guy. I use I use fixed broadheads as well, so I'm I'm one of the guys in the middle. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah. one one's better than the other. I got I, I go both, do both, and yeah. um, this year I more set up just with the mechanical and uh my my arrow setup i've been trying to do an episode for four weeks or so and i've tried it started it twice and and shut it off and uh one because i've been just messing and messing and messing with an arrow setup just trying to get comfortable with it and like it and um veins are it's definitely a good antelope setup right now what it is and i don't even know if i'm gonna antelope hunt but you guys have much for antelope hunting up that way yeah, as you head east, you know, East Alberta has has them. We used to have them. I'm in Calgary. We used to have them, you know, when I was a kid near where I grew up. And now they've been pushed further east and into Saskatchewan. Hmm. Yeah, but the, there is some. 
the winner's got to be tough on them. They're kind of pansies when it comes to rough winners. They seems to be their their. Well, downfall. you see them cold cold days. You still see them, you know. So I mean, they're 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 pretty tough. They're yeah. they're light. They're little, but they're yeah, know, they're pretty tough still. Yeah. Uh, when's your season start? September first. For just about everything there, or what? Uh... Yeah, yeah. Well, our archery opens on the like twenty August twenty fifth, but it's going to be hot. Last year was hot. I yeah. I went up last year early to do all my scouting, and I think I went about two weeks early, too early, and it was just too hot. So, so your fall bear seasons just month of September, or does that go? quite a way uh, it goes right goes right till november 30th oh wow and we get two bears here right oh okay so so yeah i got two bears last year i'll get two this year again and it's uh do you like hunting them in september or what's your favorite i like favorite? my i think my favorite time would be like first week of october really yeah it's cold they're they're a little more you know, they're eating and they're, they're, they're a little more docile. They're chilling out a bit more. Hmm. And I know a friend of mine was shooting that one with his 300 a few years ago. And it was like mid October and he kept missing and and the bear didn't care. They didn't even run away. So hmm. they're, they're chilling out They're You know, I just, cause again, I don't, I don't hunt over bait. It's more yeah. spot and stock and. Yeah. No, I was always curious about that as well, how that differs. And I've never hunted them in October. Uh, Colorado season is just the month of September. And then there's some other seasons in after that. But usually you're kind of just focusing on deer. It's like an add on to a deer elk tag. Uh, so I've, I've kind of figured out September and they just have such a change in their behavior from be- August to beginning of September to end of September. And I didn't know kind of when that slows down for them. And, and we're at a much lower latitude here. So they're probably a little bit off a schedule um, compared to that far north. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think we get a little bit colder here than, than down there. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Earlier on too. Like we get snow no matter what by Halloween. Oh, sure. So, so we're there's snow and then. Yeah, I, I like to focus on on the bears end of September, end of first week of October, and then deer. I've kind of shut that down a bit because then our bird season starts and and the dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's busy all year, that's for sure. No, for sure. Well, um, I guess we can wrap this up and and uh, appreciate you you coming on and chatting, sharing a little story. And uh, um, why don't you plug real quick uh, your uh, your your kennel and what um if you got any litters coming up or uh how i guess how many litters do you do in a year yeah we do three or four litters in a year um right now we're we're gearing up to do an lt litter she's gonna be bred around november and so that's a that'll be a spring litter that one's already gone spoken for and then her next one will be you know, next September, I think, and that one's spoken for as well. Oh wow! And then we got sto- we got storm coming up, and our other dog Zero will be she'll be bred next year as well. So, hmm. wow! How do you how do you even have 
them spoken for when you don't know if they're going to have like four eight or <laughs> yeah yeah so well that that's where you know we have a list like people want to yeah. get on the list sure. just to have one of our dogs so and and they're they're okay i mean if they put if they get on the list and leave their deposit for uh blackmail and we don't get one they're you know they're fine with waiting for the next letter too yeah yeah my you know like just as long as they're on on our list so it's it's nice well, very cool uh so where can they they pay attention to that what's going on and uh yeah plug your social media and your website yeah most of our stuff is on instagram it's compass grid labradors and then our website is compassgridlabradors.com i try and try and update the website as much as i can but it's instagram's where where it's at right it's so yeah. much easier to, to keep yeah. people posted on what we're doing and, and for us to be found right yeah for sure well awesome thanks again and uh appreciate sharing the story yeah you bet thanks all right we'll see you you betcha to the land but it ain't my ground this is god's country